Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Catherine Swift weighing in, former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Hello, Swifty. Swifty's <laughs> drinking. I'm yeah. having. I'm drinking. Yeah. I, you were gonna do I always of, have to do that on your show, John. I thought you. I would have timed it better. Thank you. Get you to do a spit take. Uh, and Peter Tabbins is here, the MPP for Toronto Danforth, the NDP's critic for energy and climate crisis. John, well, thank you. You're always kind. Yeah, I am. You know, and uh, it's one of my faults. But listen, mm-hmm. they say. Let me ask because I had Minister Fideli on, your colleague in the legislature. Uh, he says Ontario's in dire need of economic immigrants, and they've actually asked the feds to double the quota from seven thousand to thirteen thousand three hundred. You haven't heard about this? No. Oh, uh, okay. You, you broke the story first, John Oakley. You know, it's probably uh, the case, but nonetheless. Then let me ask to Swifty. I mean, what it says is uh, we've got a robust uh, employment scene, but we're not having enough people filling certain jobs. Uh, so economic my immigrants coming here, or uh, do we recruit from within and train, or how does that work? Well, hopefully you do all of the above. And, and this isn't new. Even in the worst recessions, uh, from the small-medium-sized business perspective, there were people crying out for the right skills. And that's the key here, is that there may be warm bodies out there, but they don't fit. And of course, and businesses train, they train a lot. But, uh, you know, in some instances, you can only really train so much before you need a functioning, you know, sort of productive employee in your business. So uh, this doesn't surprise me. Let's not forget, too, the population is aging. Uh, There's a lot of people moving out of the employment ranks in general. Uh, and so, yeah, this doesn't really surprise me at all. But I think the, the the real focus needs to be on the skills. And I heard something I must say I thought was quite depressing uh, just a few days ago. Um, someone I can't remember who it was had done some kind of analysis of uh, how the tra- the skilled trades were being viewed in secondary schools, mm-hmm. and it was uh, and the answer was poorly. They were being like it was the perception about them on the part of students and whatnot. And it wasn't a good perception. I thought, well, isn't that sad? Here's very, very good jobs, very well paying jobs, going begging, and kids, you know, the ones that you would hope some of them at least would pursue that, have a dim view of it. So I you know, we we clearly need to do a better job, I think, of uh, encouraging that kind of thing. The other thing worth noting is that the current Liberal government has moved uh, somewhat away from the econ- the focus on an economic immigration. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But this is probably at least in part a result of the fact that they haven't focused as much on economic pe- people that are coming in to actually fit identified skill shortages uh, than they perhaps could be. I was going to say, you know, and maybe uh, because the priority placed in our school system isn't so much on trades like being a plumber or an electrician, but rather a social justice warrior. Well, that's definitely part of it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, well, nope. I haven't picked that up in the schools. Well, but, yeah, but you didn't hear about the other thing either. Uh, so, <laughs> well, fill me in, John Oakley. Well, here's something don't, that's don't going on. Dead in, air. Here's something that's here's something that's happening in the schools. There was a story today about a mother uh, who was rather distraught uh, because her own daughter, seven and eight year olds, when Greta Thunberg was giving her speech at the United Nations, mm-hmm. the class, I guess, uh, got a chance to view this and. 
they were actually upset, unsettled by this. And uh, she came home basically crying, saying, Mom, you know, I'm going to die. They're on the clock. All these kids are now being frightened out of their skulls because of the alarmism of guys like you, Tabins. Well, there's no alarmism. There's a reality. We're facing a crisis. You think seven and eight-year-olds ought to be subjected to the message? I I go out to the demonstrations that the Fridays for Future people put on, the the teenagers and... People who are not yet teenagers, they're mobilized. They understand what's going on. They are upset by it. They want action to be taken. We see disruption of our lives. We see these higher lake levels that are making it very difficult for people all along the Great Lakes. See the giant fires in Australia now. Yeah, but when uh, you're telling seven and eight year olds that we've I, only I, got I, eight years to turn it around, otherwise you're all going to incinerate, is that responsible? Well, no one is saying that you have eight years before you're going to be incinerated. That's not being said by anyone. I actually listened to Greta Thunberg's speech. Well, when they're you sent saying out the clip. eight to twelve. It's uh, to, to the prevent, point of no go, return. Yeah, and then you're going to have much higher temperatures. There's wow. an opportunity now. There's an opportunity now to take action and prevent really bad stuff from happening. So we should take that opportunity. Even and for frankly, seven and eight-year-olds. I think everyone's got to know what's going on in this society. How dare you? Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like in this case, you know, and it wasn't just the one little girl. The one little girl complained to her mom, as I understand the right. story. There yep. was a number of kids that that reacted, you know, very negatively and, and very they were very scared. Uh, and I think it's a judgment call that was badly made by this teacher to show. I, I mean, Greta's right over the top in terms of her hyperbole and, and you know, drama and, you know, how dare you, as we just heard, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's a way to go about this that doesn't have to scare the pants off little kids that are so young they, they can't process this in any kind of sensible way. Well, but Tabins is saying that this is the, it's never too early to get to the young people and you actually see them out here with these Fridays for Future rallies? Yeah, I do. I well, see them Days out there. off school are always loved by kids, let's face it. Any yeah, excuse but, will do. But when I, when I talk to kids, when I go door to door, talk to parents, I have kids asking me about climate change as well. It comes up when I've gone to demonstrations at elementary schools that the kids have pulled together. They know that significantly, what can I say, that some really rough stuff is coming towards them and they want adults to act. I think that's entirely reasonable. Well, and they're I being don't bombarded think, with it. Well, the reality is the world is changing very fast. Just follow the news that's going on in Australia where they had in, in Sydney smoke alarms going off inside buildings because of the heavy smoke from the fires around the city. We haven't had that before. You're seeing dramatic changes in the way the world is working and people need to act on it. I think it's entirely reasonable for young people to say to adults, look, you've neglected this problem and now we're getting these fires that you're having incredible difficulty trying to control. We don't want to see more of that. Act now while we'll still have time. That's entirely reasonable. Well, I'll believe it when some of the apocalyptic predictions that have been done for decades and decades and decades actually start to come true. We haven't seen that and there's always, I mean, you can attribute anything you want to whatever you want and I'm not denying there's issues here, but scaring the pants off little kids who aren't who don't have the ability to really absorb this this kind of a message and 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 I watching Greta she's like I say she's she's uh, right over the top and uh, I don't think helpful at at that age I was uh, reading today where uh, in China they're actually in India increasing the number of coal plants and uh, they're going in the other direction uh, whereas we're beggaring our own economy I don't know how responsible that is you can chew the air in downtown Beijing uh, and they're investing 
greater coal uh, production and so on and so I want to talk about investments, by the way, and I use that term loosely because we see where the federal deficit and debt is just skyrocketing out of control. The finance minister, Morneau, made that announcement on Monday. And how that augurs for the future, let's put that to the midweek roundtable. Catherine Swift, Peter Tabbins, in moments here on The Oakley Show. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.